Shalom and welcome to another in our series of podcasts from Temple Beth Am, a dynamic center for conservative Judaism in Los Angeles. This is a recording of Rabbi Avi Havivi's weekly Sidur class. Here we are in the Asera Yimei Tshuva between Rosh Hashanah and Yom Kippur, and we're going to take a look at some of the liturgy for these 10 days that you're familiar with, and we'll talk in general, and then we'll drill down on one particular thing. And um, I'm sorry for people who are going to only listen to this on the audio and not be with us live, because I'm going to do a bunch of screen sharing things, which you are, uh, but I will try to um, narrate everything I'm doing on the screen sharing so that if you're listening at home at some future date, you can actually find this yourself on your own computer. Okay. So if, if I don't mention remind me that I need to change chapter and verse, I need to say chapter and verse, which I'm going to do. Okay. So we're going to talk about the Amidah. And as you're no doubt familiar with, uh, we have six changes in our Amidah during the Aseret Yemei Tshuva. Um, four lines which we add, Zochreinu L'chaim and Uchtov L'chaim Tovim at the beginning. And then, sorry, Zochreinu L'chaim and Mi Kamocha Av HaRachamim near the beginning of the Amida, And then Uchtov L'chaim Tovim and Besefer Chaim Bracha V'Shalom, which we add near the end of the Amida. So there's four additions, insertions, you could call them. Um, and then two changes, Ha'el HaKadosh, the blessing Ha'el HaKadosh is changed to HaMelech HaKadosh, and the blessing, and Melech O'Hev Mishpat is changed to HaMelech HaMishpat, right? So everyone is familiar with those things, I assume, if you're a regular davener, and they're marked very clearly in the Sidur. So what is the origin of, and we're not going to be able to look at all of those equally, we simply don't have enough time to do that, okay? So we're going to Look at them in general. We're going to look at some sources, and then we'll drill down on one of them. Okay. So what is the source of these? I am now going to attempt to screen share. Ooh, I have some private things on screen share that I was told. You can't share this with anyone. Where is Where are all the rest of my open tabs? Just hold on a second here, okay? What if I go to here? No, that's the secret one that Stay with me. All right. I'm getting there. I'm getting Okay. Can you see that from Brachot? Yes. Thank you. Okay. So many of you have heard me talk about Safaria, which is an incredible resource. And I'm now going to, so, and some of you might have, might have thought, oh my God, I could never do that. How would I find something in Safaria? So I'm now going to show you how to do that. Okay, so you go to a website called safaria.org. You're going to see Brown's library. I hear you all talk. Someone's talking. But someone say yes if you can see a window that says browse the library. Yes. Thank you. Okay, so when you go to safaria.org, which is free, this is what you have. And Tanakh, Mishnah, Talmud, etc. So I happen to know what I'm looking for. But you should contribute to it. And you should contribute. Yes, it's quote unquote free, meaning it doesn't charge you a subscription, but it runs because it's funded. And if we, we contribute, then it will continue to be funded. 
Okay, thank you. So, so I'm looking for something in the Talmud. I know what I'm looking for. Okay, I know for one of my resources that the source I'm looking for is Tractate Brachot, page 12b. So I click on Talmud, and it has all the tractates of the Talmud. And then I notice, thank you, Larry. Notice to the right, it says, make a donation. Everyone see that? Okay, so I click on Brachot, and I know I'm looking for page 12b. And I know that because I did some research because I teach the class, so I prepare. And here we are on page 12b. And um, if you see that where everyone sees my cursor moving. Yes. So if you go to the upper right corner where it says A and Aleph, that's a language changer. So I'm going to click on that. And I'm going to click on the A and Aleph because I want to see Hebrew and English. So now I see Hebrew and English. Okay. And here I am on page 12b of the Talmud with Hebrew and English. I want to try to... Got it. Got it. Okay. And we have the statement of Raba Barchinana Sava. And this is in Tractate Brachot in the context where there's a whole series of statements by the sage named Raba Barchinana Sava. Um, it's a whole series of ones, and they're miscellaneous about things that you change or add in your prayers or think way you're supposed to do your Amidah. And this is the one that pertains to high holidays. That's why we're looking at it. It starts with a the, because this is not the first in his series of statements, right? This is the one we're looking at. So he says it in the name of Rav, first generation Babylonian Amora, which means, you know, 230, 240 of the common era. All year long, Adam mit palel ha'el ha'kadosh. A person says ha'el ha'kadosh, meaning in the bracha at the end of the third blessing of the Amidah, we conclude Baruch Hashem ha'el ha'kadosh. Or, and, Melech ohev umishpat. I can't remember what number bracha that is, somewhere in the, I don't know, uh, late single digits or early teens, right? The one on Mishpat, God of Judgment. We conclude, Baruch HaTashem, Melech Ohev Tzakav Mishpat. Chutz me asara yamim shebein Rosh Hashanah v'yom HaKippurim, except for the 10 days between Rosh Hashanah and Yom Kippur, which of course the 10 days is inclusive of Rosh Hashanah and Yom Kippur. Shemit palel ha-melech ha-kadosh ve-ha-melech ha-mishpat, where you say, Baruch HaTashem, ha-melech ha-kadosh, and Hamelech Hamishpat. Okay, now I'm going to pause and stop screen sharing for a moment so I can see everyone again. Okay, and you listening at home on audio without the video, you can do that and find out by going to safaria.org, click on Talmud, click on Brachot, click on 12B, click on the, depending on what language popped up for you, you can click on the language icon in the top right. You can see it only in English only in Hebrew or in Hebrew and English. We're going to come back to Safaria and do a lot more of this today. Okay. So this is the Talmudic source of um, those two changes. I'm actually going to go back to screen share because I realize now there was more that I wanted to show you on this matter. But Rabbi Elazar says, Afilu Amar Ha'ela Kadosh Yatsa. You fulfilled your obligation, meaning if you didn't change it, 
either because you disagree or because you forgot you were on autopilot, as many of us are, um, it's okay. Um, at, you fulfilled your obligation, meaning you don't have to go back and say the bracha again. And then there's reasoning about that, which I'm not going to go into because it's going to slow us down a bit, a bit. Okay. My hava ale. This is a, a question by what's called the stam, which means the anonymous voice of the Talmud, meaning this is not someone in Rav's generation or someone in Rav Chinana Baraba Sava's generation. Sorry. Oops. I want to get his name right. Rabba Bar Chinana Sava, not in his generation, but in some later editorial generation, the Gemara anonymously says, well, so what happened to this disagreement? Which means we have a machloket, right? Rabba Bar Rav Chinana Sava, in the name of Rav, says you have to make these changes. Rabbi Elazar says, even if you didn't make the change, it's okay. And then the anonymous voice of the Gemara, which we don't know when that is, it could be 200 years later, says, okay, so there's a machloket, what's the t- decision? What's the conclusion? Amar Rav Yosef, so then they quote Rav Yosef and Raba, who are basically in the 300s, about 100 years after the original statement. Amar Rav Yosef, Ha'el HaKadosh, Mishpat. So Rav Yosef says, Basically, Rav Yosef holds, according to Rabbi Elazar, you don't change this closing formulae of those two brachot. Rabbi Amar, HaMelech HaKadosh, HaMelech HaMishpat. So, a hundred plus years later, after Rav and Rabbi Elazar, there were two Amoraim sages in Babylonia, and they still disagreed, okay, as to what the ruling was. And then the anonymous voice of the Talmud says, the Hilchata Kirabah, the Halakha is according to Rabbah. If you look at later Halachic sources, by the way, um, there are many opinions that if you forgot, you went on autopilot and you said Ha'el HaKadosh or Melech Ohev Mishpat, your regular all the year formulation, you actually have to go back and repeat from the place where you made a mistake. There's a Halachic opinion that if you can't remember which one you did, you have to go back because the assumption is that if you can't remember, you probably did it the way you do it all year long because that's the more common way fixed in your brain that you do 355 days a year rather than the way you do it 10 days a year. Um, and you have to go back and say it. And there's some halachic opinions that say that you don't. I'm not a posek, I'm not a halachic decisor, but I just want to point out that the halacha takes this statement in the Talmud very seriously. Okay, pause. So what's missing from the Talmud? The things that we sing along on. So those things are not in the Talmud at all. Those are post-Talmudic. They're Gaonic, 800s, 900s. In the early Gaon, in the Gaonic Sidurim of Rav Amram and Rav Saadia, those appear as, and many people add, Zochreinu Lachayim and Besefer Brachav Shalom. So that is apparently not Talmudic, it's post Talmudic. In the, uh, there's a Gaonic source actually, which says that there's a Machloket in the Gaonic period, in the 800s, 900s, about whether or not to add it. And there's some people who say, 
You should not add those. Can anyone guess what's the reasoning why that would be given as to why you should not add them? You might, you, you should be able to answer this question based on information you've gleaned from our learning over the previous months. Anyone want to take a stab at it? Why should you not add? Let's say, let's just pick one. Why should you not add Zohreinu Lachayim? Because it's an interruption to the normal davening. Okay, a little further. And it's an interruption when you're doing what? By the way, it's an interruption in the parts of the Amida, the first three brachot and the last three brachot that you're quote unquote never supposed to change, right? Remember the middle brachot changes mm-hmm. weekday, Shabbat, Yom Tov, first three and last three don't change. But in particular, it's an introdu- in interruption, let's say in the first three brachot, in which you are doing what in that sentence? What is Zohreinu? It's not a trick. It's not a trick question. We remember. No. Zohreinu is a command or request to God. Joanna's oh, going to oh. say something. Yeah, that's where I was going, that we're actually asking God to do something for us. Which is a request. And when are we supposed to say requests? In the middle. In the middle 13 brachot. We, I'm going to put it in air quotes, don't say requests in the first three or mm-hmm. the last three. The first three are supposed to be shevach, praise, and the last three are supposed to be hoda'ah, gratitude. Asking for things, bakasha, is in the middle 13. Remember, that's the structure of the Amidah. First, we come before the monarch, the sovereign. First, we, we praise. Then we ask for our request. Then as we're backing away, we say, thank you, thank you, thank you. Right? So there were Gaonim who said, no, 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 this is an interruption. And it's asking for something. It totally does not belong in. Don't do it. So we have Gaonic reports that some people add. We have one Gaonic source that says, and some people say you shouldn't do this. And uh, obviously, because we're we're here today, and you know we've dove into different shuls, and we know that pretty much, as far as I know, everywhere around the world, you we add those four insertions. So we see who won out in that Gaonic discussion. And by the way, the reasoning that was given for why we can add those requests, even though they are requests and theoretically shouldn't be in the section of the Amidah which is about um, uh, praise, what do you think the answer is? It's also an answer that we mentioned once before. When we said Ritzay, for example, Ritzay is a request. We say, Hashem, accept our prayers. And remember, we raised the, object- the objection, bracha number 17. Hey, how can we say God accept our prayers favorably? Isn't that a request? Anyone remember what the answer to that was? Why it's okay that it's a request? has to do with grammar. Answer is because it's in the plural. It's a communal request. So the Uh, answer was that we gave was no, no, no. Communal requests are okay. But not into when we say requests go in the middle 13 brachot, not in the first three or the last three. What we mean is individual requests. Communal requests are okay. All right. So notice none of them are zochreini L'chaim, right? Remember me. Or 
Besefer Chaim Barach Avashalom, Ezacher Ve'ekatev, may I be remembered and inscribed. They're all plural, right? So the, in the Gaonic, in the discussion of the Gaonic sources, right, the response is, no, 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 it's okay to add those insertions because they're in the plural, they're communal requests, not individual requests, and communal requests are for all of the people of Israel are not considered to be the type of request that you're not supposed to add in these brachot. Everyone with me on that? Okay, Joanna. So if we're going to talk about like kind of possible objections to what we're doing here, um, what's sort of been ingrained in me and, and I feel like has even come up in this class, like if we're going to talk about, you know, where we have flexibility in our davening and where we don't, one of the things that has kind of been ingrained in me is like you don't change a hatima. Correct. And, and it's ingrained in you, by the way, because just so you know, it says so in the halacha. Okay, great. It's, right. it's not because your teacher, it's not because your teacher made it up. Your teacher was just citing the accepted halachic opinion. Yes, go ahead. And yet, so do we, do we treat these changes to Hatimot as like exceptions that prove the rule or like? Yes. And the reason we do them is because the Talmud says so. So in the Talmud, meaning the people who, I'm going to put it in air quotes, invented the Hatimot, say, um, on the 10 days, you change the, these two chatimot, right? There's a discussion in Brachot about what's the individual prayer you say at the end of the Amidah. There are 10 different versions, 10 different models. One of them is Elohainetzor. So this is not like that. This is not Rabba Barav Chinana Amarav saying, you know, my custom is to change the chatimah. Rather, he's saying the practice is during the 10 days, we make the following change to these two chatimot. And Rabbi Elazar disagrees. And then a hundred years later, Rabbi and Rav Yosef have the same disagreement other way around, Rav Yosef and Rabbi. And then the anonymous voice of the Talmud says, okay, man, so what's the answer? The answer is Hilchatakarav. Sorry, Hilchatakaraba, okay, who actually said it according to Rav, meaning that's the decision. So there is then in the halacha, I will say, concretized and stabilized, we change those two chatimot, which is an entirely, and the halacha says, but the individual is not free to change chatimot the way they want to. Does that address your question? By the way, with the first bracha and the, the, the um, egalitarianization and adding the imahot, okay, um, and Rabbi Joel Rembaum, our own Rabbi Joel Rembaum, Rabbi Emeritus of Temple Bethon, uh, is the one who wrote the official tshuva on behalf of the conservative movement, the rabbinical assembly, on adding the imahot based on experience that came out of our very own Temple Bethon library minion. And in that tshuva, and you probably know in our, uh, you know, pay, uh, whatever page, whatever A and B, you know, um, a, the traditional one, and B, with the imahot. Not only does it add the imahot in the middle of the first bracha, but it changes the chatima. Baruch Hashem, Magain Avraham Ufoked Sarah. I know some people um, within the, loosely speaking, the conservative movement, who say, who actually add the imahot 
in the middle of the bracha, but they still say Baruch Hashem Magain Avraham because they say it was halachically incorrect to change the chatima. Rabbi Rembaum's tshuva says you add the imahod in the middle and you change the chatima. And I know some people who do not accept that tshuva and they actually add the imahod in the middle. Although some people say Elohei Avraham Velohei Sarah, Elohei Yitzchak Velohei Rivka, Elohei Yaakov Velohei Leah Velohei Rachel, they they interleave the imahot in with their spouses rather than listing the patriarchs and then listing the matriarchs. Um, parenthetical statement: This isn't where I wanted to go this morning. We'll try to <laughs> somewhere else um, in a moment. Uh, so there are people who add the imahot but still say Baruch HaTashem Magain Avraham, because they say changing the wording of the middle of the bracha does not have the same statutory power as changing a chatima. The halacha is very clear on you don't change a chatima. And again, if you look at all the various um, uh, sidurim, you know, Sephardi, Mizrahi, Yemenite, Ashkenazi, Chabad, uh, Ari, right? All these, we see that there are all kind. let's say in the middle brachot, in the middle 13 brachot, there are all kinds of variations in the wording. I don't want to say all kind as if like infinite, it's not infinite, but there are quite a number of variations in the wording of the bodies of the middle 13 brachot there is very little variation in the chatimot, meaning the chatimot, and chatimot literally means signature, but it means closing, right? But it means baruch Hashem X. That's the last line of each bracha. That's what's called the chatima. It's the closing. There's very, very little variability in the closings, right? Everyone in the Jewish world, up until the conservative movement, uh, says baruch Hashem magain Avraham. Chabad, Nusach Ha'ari, Hasidim, North Africans, Yemenites, Sephardim from Spain, they all say Magain Avraham, period, end of story, right? So there's very, there's no, in that bracha, there's no variability in the Chatima until people started to want to add the Imahot. As far as I know, there's no variability in the Chatima, right? So there are people who reject a part of that Shuvah and say, you don't change the Chatima. Okay, thank you, Joanna, but I want to go somewhere else, okay? I'm going somewhere else. I want to go. We don't have a lot of time. We're going to drill down on Hamelech Hamishpat. Vered is not here. So we'll ask anyone who wants to step up into Vered's shoes. If you wanted to say, blessed are you, God, the Lord of judgment, how would you say that in Hebrew? Baruch Hashem. You'd leave off the first hey, Melech Hamishpat. So what you'd say, Melech Hamishpat. King of judgment or the king of judgment in normal Hebrew is you only say the the once on the second word of the genitive construct. So it's Melech Hamishpat, the king of judgment. Hamelech Hamishpat seems on the surface of it to people who know Hebrew to be gibberish bad Hebrew. Okay, it, it literally means the king the judgment, okay? Yet it goes back to Talmudic times, to Rav, first generation of Babylonian Amoraim, 
who surely knew his Hebrew pretty well. Okay. So the Talmud says, we say, okay. And to anyone who knows Hebrew grammar, this seems odd. Everyone with me? So you go, I'm screen sharing again, those who are playing at home. Okay. <laughs> I'm going back to Safari Abrachot 12b. Little Safaria tutorial. There's so much to know about how to use Safaria. I know like, I don't know. It's going to say 1%. I probably don't know 1%. I probably know 7% of how to use Safaria. Okay. It has so many complexities as many computer programs do that are written by smart people. Okay. So I go back to the statement. I click on it to highlight. Everyone sees my screen share? Yes. Say someone. Yes. If you see the top. Yes. I clicked on it to highlight it. And then all of a sudden, this popped up to the right about this text. I can see commentaries, halakha, translations. I can see it cited on web pages. So I want to go to commentary because I want to look at Rashi. So list commentaries. I click on Rashi. I click commentary. I click on Rashi. Notice I have in the top right that Hebrew Aleph. I click on that. I can see it in Hebrew or in English. Unfortunately, they don't have it set up in Hebrew and English simultaneously the way the text is. I choose one or the other. I'm going to start with the Hebrew, okay? Rashi, HaMelech HaMishpat. Kimo, Melech HaMishpat. So Rashi knows Hebrew as well as Joanna. And he says, HaMelech HaMishpat, it means the same thing as Melech HaMishpat. Now he says... I can cite you several other places in ancient Hebrew where even though you would normally expect that there'd only be one hey on the second word, you can say ha something, ha something to mean the something of. Kimo, nos e aron habrit. Okay. Now, um, now I'm going to go to the English. What's interesting, by the way, this is where, you know, how shall I say this? Safaria isn't Google, right? It doesn't have billions of dollars behind it. Maybe if we donate more, they will change this. So what if you see in Rashi, he's now going to cite three passages in Hebrew, which I'm going to show you in a moment. Okay. In the book of Joshua, you see Yehoshua, Melachim, and Yirmiyahu. But notice that in the English version of Safaria, they didn't add the where it's from. So if you were just working in the English, the king of the, ju- the king of the justice means the same as king of justice, just as the carriers of the Ark of the Covenant is like Ark of the carriers of the Ark of the Covenant is like Ark of the Covenant. And if you were just doing it in English, you wouldn't know where this was from. Okay. In the Hebrew, it shows you where it's from. So I'm going to go to the Hebrew. And notice when I go to Joshua, it underlines and I click on it. Oh my goodness, what a miracle. The book of Joshua chapter three, verse 14, um, uh, clicked up. Give me a moment. Uh, verse 14. Okay. I'm going to, I'm going to give you Hebrew and English. Everyone see Joshua three fourteen in Hebrew and English. Yep. Cause I clicked on the, Hebrew citation and the Hebrew, by the way, if I couldn't read the Hebrew and I didn't know that whatever, uh, I, I, if all I could read was Yehoshua, Gimel, Yudalid, and I didn't 
know that I could click on it. You could backtrack or open Safari again, go to Bible Tanakh and look it up in Joshua 3.14. So this is when the people are crossing the Jordan River, okay? When they traveled across the Jordan River, uh, when it crossed the Jordan going to land, v'hakoanim nos'e ha'aron habrit, the priests who are the carriers of the Ark, the Covenant. Joanna, what would you expect it to be in normal Hebrew, your normal Hebrew expectation? How do we say the Ark of the Covenant in normal Hebrew? Unmute. Sorry, my unmute got stuck for a second. Yeah. So it would be Nosei Aron Habrit. Plain old Hebrew, Nosei Aron Habrit. 999 times, other times in the Tanakh, it would just say Aron Habrit. By the way, it's all over, you know, it's all, it's all over the book of Leviticus, Vayikra, right? And Shmot, Exodus, Aron Habrit, the Ark of the Covenant, right? Ha, we don't say Ha'aron Habrit, <coughs> excuse me, in normal Hebrew. So here's example one of where it's a genitive, which means possessive, and you, you have both haze. All right, I'm closing Joshua 3.14. I'm going to go to the second example in 2 Kings, if you're playing at home. 2 Kings, second book of Kings, chapter 16, verse 17. I clicked on it in the Rashi. It popped up for me, so I don't have to go look it up. Um, King Ahaz, who took apart some things of the temple, and reuse the metal, right? Uh, he took off. Da, 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 um, King Ahaz cut off at Hamiskarot Hamechonot, which is the laver stands. The laver is the big basin with water for the Kohanim to wash their hands and feet when they came to do temple service. In normal Hebrew, you would say Miskarot Hamechonot, the stands of the lavers. But the Hebrew has notice. I'm high. I'm. I'm pointing it out to you here, hamiskarot hamechonot. So that's example number two in Rashi. Example number three, Jeremiah chapter 31, Pasuk 40, uh, which is a vision of destruction. Vichol ha'emek ha'pigarim, which means the valley of corpses. Normal Hebrew, normal biblical Hebrew, and modern Hebrew for that matter, you would say emek ha'pigarim the Valley of Corpses, but this says Ha'emek Ha'pigarim, okay? So to backtrack, the Talmud, just to look at what we just did with Safaria, the Talmud says that Rabbah Bar Chinana Sava says in the name of Rav, we make these two changes in the Chatimot. One of them is Hamelech Hamishpat. Rashi, our prime explicator and Hand, teacher and wonderful handholder teacher for um, Tanakh and Talmud. Always start with Rashi. <laughs> Rashi anticipates our discomfort that we're going to say, well, that's not how you sit, normally would say it in Hebrew. And so Rashi, so we clicked on the passage in Brachot um, and the Rashi popped up in Sepharia. If you, if you actually had an actual book, you'd actually have to look with your eyes and find it in the Rashi. Okay, first place you'd go look for any question in the Talmud, I don't understand something, is you'd go to Rashi. Rashi anticipates the question. He says, HaMelech HaMishpat means the same thing as Melech HaMishpat. Okay, and by the way, I'm going to cite for you three places in the Tanakh where we have the same grammatical construction where you would think, 
excuse me, you would think that it should be Emek HaPigarim, the Valley of Corpses, but it actually says Ha Emek HaPigarim, right? Now, I'm not, I'm not saying, you know, go to a technical grammar of biblical Hebrew to see why those times it says Ha Emek HaPigarim. At this point, if we were, I'm going to close Rashi, X. Um, at this point, if we were regular students of Gemara, we would say, oh, okay, that's why. Because although normally we'd, we would expect Melech um, HaMishpat, uh, you know, there is an alternative formulation in biblical Hebrew where you can say HaMelech HaMishpat. Now, I do want to add, midrashically, there are other explanations, right, of HaMelech HaMishpat the king, the justice, given that there is no copulative verb, meaning there is no word way to say is in Hebrew. So one way of understanding HaMelech HaMishpat means the king is the justice, right? So if we were giving the drash version about why it's HaMelech HaMishpat, what we might say is because God's, this, this is making a statement by the way, there are various commentators on the Sidur who give this answer, not Rashi's answer, right? Not a grammatical answer. They say, but, but why you could, they'd, they'd accept Rashi, but they'd still say, but why this formulation? Why not the simpler formulation? Because this is making a statement, not that God is the God of justice, but God, God self is justice. You'd have to make a whole, then you'd make a philosophical drosh that is beyond my capabilities to make about what that means. God is justice. The essence of divinity is justice. I imagine some male rabbi of the 1950s or 1960s at a lectern, you know, that's at a level 10 feet above me, thunderously saying, the essence of divinity is justice. And that would be the whole topic of the sermon. So there would be something sermonic about that as an alternative to the plain old grammatical explanation of, well, you know, Rashi's explanations, well, you know, we'd expect it to be Hamelech HaMishpat, but once in a while you have a formulation like Hamelech HaMishpat, and that's okay too. And I proved it to you by showing you three examples in the Bible. That's what Rashi is saying. Rashi is not going to go off into the philosophical discourse on the essence of God is justice. That's not Rashi's thing in general. But right, but there are commentators on the Sidur who say that's why we say Hamelech Hamishpat. Not just God does justice, but the essence of God is justice. And these are the two big themes of Asera Yemei Chuva, the 10 days of penitence, right? God's, um, or at least Rosh Hashanah, God's sovereignty and God's judgment, right? Mishpat can be translated judgment or justice. And of course, they have different connotations in English. But in Hebrew, mishpat means both of those things, all right? God's sovereignty, God's judgment or justice. And saying hamelach mishpat means they're the same thing, not God possesses justice, okay? So, uh, uh, so we looked at the additions, the two Chatimot changes, Hamelach HaKadosh and Hamelach HaMishpat, come from Talmudic times, although we see even during Talmudic times, there was disagreement about them. Um, 
the four other insertions came come a couple hundred years later from Gaonic times. We looked at the grammar of the very peculiar formulation of Hamelach Hamishpat, and we learned how to use Safaria to find something in the Talmud and in Rashi and in the citation in Rashi. And everyone is uh, uh, in terms of figuring out how to do that in Safaria. You know, as I sometimes ask my computer tutor, like, how do I insert this table in Word and make it look different? My computer tutor now says to me, I don't know, by heart, just click around until you figure it out, right? And make sure you know which is the undo button, all right? If you clicked around incorrectly. So, uh, you know, I've taken, Safaria offers some classes online that are free, one-hour sessions. Safari, I recommend you start with Safaria 101, which is a tour of how to use it. So I've taken two or three of their sessions and um, that's one way to do it. And the other way to do it is uh, just click around and see what happens. So learning by doing, learning by doing and know what, and make sure you know what, where the undo button is. If you're crazy. Abby, can I ask you one quick question? Yes. And then we'll wrap up. Larry gets a quick question. Then we'll wrap up. I think there's a seventh change, which you maybe will tell me is included in a, in a, yeah. in a sixth change. Oh, say hi, Shalom. Yeah. And that's included in the sixth change. And by the way, that's different. Uh, that's true universally. And um, in Mariv, there's a difference between Chutz Aretz and Eretz Yisrael. The rest of the year, one of them says, the other says, Oseha Shalom. So yeah, you're correct. And I'm, and we're not going to delve into that today. My, my usual answer to that is <clears throat> you should say what it says in the Sidur in front of you that you are using, right? Follow the instructions in the Sidur. If it's but autopilot is a very strong. Thing. Autopilot is a very strong thing, right? By the way, for those who go on autopilot, like, uh, uh, you know, commonly, uh, not always, but commonly, I will daven the Amida by heart, but I, I actually try not to on a Sarah Imei Tshuva. I'm more likely to have a Sidur open in front of me because I know that I'll, I'll go on autopilot and I'll make a mistake and I'll forget something, right? Um, okay. Gmar Chatima Tova to all. Gmar Chatima Tova. Next Tuesday morning, we'll all be in shul somewhere, hopefully, or, a bar, or on Zoom or something for Sukkot. And then the following Tuesday morning for Shemini Atzeret. And so I will see you all three weeks, God willing, three weeks from now, the um, the Tuesday after Shemini Atzeret. And I really do want to say to those who, who who were not in class today live uh, to see the video, no, I listening, but are listening to it. I really talked you through it. And I want everyone who yeah, you can't do this, obviously, if you're listening while you go on an exercise walk. But if you're listening when you're sitting in front of your computer, you really could click on all the things that I showed you. And it could be almost as good as being here live. Um, and, and, and I want everyone to learn how to use Jewish texts online, although they, I think they will never replace uh, printed Jewish texts. But hey, when they invented the codex, I'm sure they said, ah, it'll never replace scrolls. So, you know, <laughs> who knows what's going to replace what? All right. Gemar Chatima Tovah to all. You have been listening to another in our series of podcasts from Temple Beth Am, a dynamic center for conservative Judaism in Los Angeles. If you enjoy these podcasts, we invite you to write a review on the Apple Podcast site or wherever you get your podcasts. For more information about Temple Beth Am Los Angeles, 
go to tbala.org.